All right, through it all, my eyes will be on him. You know, I really moved uh, uh, hopelessness. Go ahead, Michael. Hopelessness. We're going to throw that up here because we want you to know what hopelessness is. <laughs> now, I have to say, you know, sit. Who? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, sitting over there and listening to that song and, and listen to John's sermon that he gave, you just can't keep a preacher quiet, can you? You just, you know, he tells everybody, keep it short, keep it short, keep it short. No offense, Dave, keep it short. Oh, yeah, you get that in a little bit. I know Dave's crying right now. But, you know, I really feel, uh, Michael, I'm, I think I'm going to change. Uh, the sermon, uh, it's going to be pride. Oh. <laughs> Seems to be a lot of pride in this building tonight. <laughs> so might have to just kind of add some things to that. You know, when you preach, you get a bottle of your own. Yeah. See that? So, <laughs> What do you got in that thing, man? <sighs> that tastes like surprise water. That's good stuff. Yeah, today's hopelessness. Let me show you some illustrations of hopelessness. The first one is, look at that, huh? Is that hopelessness? <laughs> Sitting in that tent, guns on the other side, that's hopeless. The next hopeless situation can be this. If you're here and you're directionally challenged, you know, you know Lynchburg, when, when we were at, in Lynchburg, this city is so set up crazy. You can be going down the road and it turn into another road. You wouldn't even know it. It's just, I never got that. Geraldine was, had it per, down because she's confused. So she picked it up right away. Oh, by the way, Geraldine, where are you? You moved. Oh, she got called in. To work? I think she told somebody to do that just so she wouldn't have to listen to me again. You know, it's been 30, 40, 40? 42 years we've been married. So, so I, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm the senior pastor here. I'm not the lead pastor. That's John. I'm the senior. I'm the oldest. So I am the senior pastor here. I, uh, I do not dye my hair. So I just want you to know that this is the real thing. By the way, what you see is what you get. The next one. Next one is this. How many of you would love this? I mean, this is hopelessness. I mean, I know some of you out there right now are just going, this is my home. This is going to be when I retired and all that stuff. But you know what happens? That's hopelessness for me. That's not even going to happen. But when you have that dream, the next thing happens is this. You get bills. You just, you're overwhelmed. That's a hopeless situation. I mean, I've been there. Too much of that. And when that happens, this is what you do next. You buy a lottery ticket. And that is hopeless. Now, somebody told me, you know, Gary, Terry says, Gary, if you know the numbers, you know, we're talking about prophecy and stuff. He says, if you know the numbers, make sure you tell Angie so she can go out and get it. I says, I ain't telling her a thing. If I know the numbers, I'm getting it. But say, so now that's hopelessness, right? I mean, one in 302 million to win. But I put it like this. This is how I put it. You either are going to win 
or you're going to lose. You got a 50-50 chance. That's how I look at it. Percentage is a little different, but you are either going to win or you're going to lose, right? Now you start doing that. What happens when you get all distressed and all wore out? This is what happens. You eat. Now, listen, that's hopeless, right? I mean, you step on the scale and it says help. You know that there's an issue. But even then, going in a little bit more serious, the next one is this. The preacher getting done on time? Huh? That's not going to happen. This is what happens with people when the preacher goes. That's hopeless to think a preacher is going to be done on time. That's what happens. And then this one, marriage. Sometimes marriage can feel like hopeless. Like it just isn't going to work. Actually, I was going to use this illustration uh, later, but I won't use it now. Uh, my wife's not here, so that just opens up a whole new opportunity. <laughs> we, we were struggling. I, I was in ministry for a while, uh, about three or four years. Got so involved with other people's lives that I wasn't spending a lot of time at home. Gone. She, she had just had Timothy, and that was the real problem. But no, that's all right. She had Timothy, and, and so... Our relationship was, was straining, and so I, I was sitting at the, on the couch, and I says, I was looking at the newspaper, Sunday newspaper, back when they had one, and in Sunday newspaper, I was reading the one ad, she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a job. She says, what do you mean you're looking for a job? I said, yeah, I'm going to quit. That's how I told my wife I was going to quit ministry. <laughs> worthless. And so I, I'm going to quit. And she goes, what do you, and, and I did. I quit because things were so tough. I got to the point over, over a year or so that I was driving home one time, and I was just about to the house, and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, I don't know what to do. I don't have any feelings for my wife. Zero. I said, I don't know what to do. Honestly, I, did. I was hopeless. One day I was in, working at Honeywell, uh, and I was witnessing to a guy. The time went on, and I was witnessing to a guy, and I told him, I said, now listen, one day you're going to stand before the Lord. And in the back of my mind, this is what it does when you're trying to witness and the Holy Spirit's talking to you and you're trying to talk to somebody else. You're going to face the Lord one day. And the Lord said, Gary, so are you. And I said, God, i got to get right with you so I can get right with my wife. You know what the problem with marriages is? Is people aren't right with God. You get right with God and God will work it all out, both of you. But I was in that situation, an ex-preacher. I'd resigned and... So, you know, hopeless situations, I understand that. So today my message is facing the giant of hopelessness. Facing the giant of hopelessness. Did you know this series ends today? And the reason I chose that, and it really coordinates with the rest of them, because the rest of them were doubt, the past, failure, fear, and self. When you really take all of those to fruition, it really turns into hopelessness. So hopelessness today. Did you know there's no such thing as cold? There's no such thing as cold. Mr. Science says that the temperature of an object is the measure of the heat energy that it contains. Cold, on the other hand, does not exist. There is no such thing as cold. So next time, when it's freezing outside, you say, I am so not warm. (laughs) You can't use the word cold. I am so not warm. How about this? No such thing as dark. God did not create evil. Just as darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of God. Albert Einstein said that. No such thing as dark. 
Well, let me throw this at you. There is no such thing as hopelessness, just the absence of hope. Never is there a hopeless situation with God. The definition of hope is this. As I move through these, the cher- to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true, to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. Here's the world's perspective. Hope is something we create internally and through our desires we project out into the world. Hope depends only on us, our dreams, our goals, our thoughts. We hope for a, an outcome. We hope for the things to happen. We hope to feel a certain way when it happens. Look, what's the one common thing through all of that? Is we, our, me. We have so many people and Christians that are putting their hope in themselves and putting their hope in other people. Now, look at what God has to say in Romans 15, 13. He says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? God says, I pray that God, the source, the very beginning, wherever hope is, it's really in God. Because all the hope that we have and that we're hanging on to, boy, I hope I can get a job. I hope I get married someday. (laughs) Marriage is great, amen? (laughs) But boy, if you marry the wrong one, it is pitiful. I hope I get married. I hope I get a new car. I, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope. All of that, apart from God's will, is really hopelessness. Because you have no clue whether it's going to happen or not. And what I want to talk about tonight is I want to throw some verses at you to let you see how God looks at hope and how God wants us to look at hope. And then he goes on, he says in that same verse, will fill you completely, completely to the end, fill you up. Now, what is God saying here? The God who is source of hope, he's saying that I want to fill you with joy and peace because you trust him. Here's the key, trust. You've got to trust God. Your hope is going to falter. You are going to lose hope. You are going to give up. You're going to quit because if you're not trusting what God wants, you will lose that hope. But I guarantee that you will face a situation that without looking at God, you're going to look at it like it's hopeless. Joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Overflow. Why would God have us overflow? Because he wants you to show the world what real hope is. Listen, if you're coming here with your glass of water half full, and it takes us to get that full and you walk out of here, you're overflowing nowhere. You're doing nothing for anybody else. You need to get get with God before you come to church, fill up that cup, so that when you get here and we start preaching and you hear the best message you've ever heard tonight. Thank you, both of you, thank you. And one of them was my own son, thank you. When you leave here and you're already full when you get here, man, that baby is just going to overflow and others are going to say, what are you so happy about? Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I went to church and I just, man, God is so good. 
See, we get out in this world and we're hopeless and you're dealing with all these people in the world where you work, where you play, where you go to school and you don't have that hope and that joy in your life and they're looking at you like you're just like me. You don't have any hope. Everything's based on how it responds to you, how you feel. Oh, I didn't get that job. Man, I'll tell you what. Why do we do that? Because we're not trusting God. See, God is not the God You don't go to God to get something. You go to God to follow, to follow him and allow him to continue to lead in your life. Trouble is that we put our hope in something temporal. I hope the stock market doesn't dive. We finally got $10 out of it. I hope this car, John, I hope this car makes it another year. Huh? How many of you got one of those cars? My, one of my best friends, Joe Bollinger, he's taught me everything I am. Not. He sold me a car. And it was a great deal. But there was dents all over it. What kind of friend is that? He should have had that fixed and sold it to me cheap. So I've got a car that I don't care where I park it. I don't care who gets next to me. Nobody's going to hit my car. (laughs) But there's dents all over it from hail damage. But you know what? It runs great. I hope my car lasts. I hope I get what I want for Christmas. Uh, How many of you are married to a Scrooge? And you would admit it. There's one in the back. All right. Yeah, there's another one. By the way, guys, don't get your wife an appliance. No, that, that just, that's what you do anyways. How about a person? I hope I get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I hope she or he can help me. I hope the pastor has a great message today. I hope my spouse will meet my needs. And I know Jeremy and Linda are saying, I hope my child wins his game. <laughs> Tim and I went on a trip one time. And by the way, let me just put this... Uh, this out there. I asked my two daughters if I could go on a trip with them. My Heather was moving from uh, Michigan to Phoenix. I said, hey, I'll go. And they said, no way. (laughs) So I gave them the opportunity to experience my presence. (laughs) So Tim and I went down to, uh, it was called the Business Professionals of America in 2004. He competed in computerized accounting and financial math. And how disappointing. He placed second in the nation in both of them. Now, let me just say, the only reason he wasn't first is because the other people cheated. That's all I can say. (laughs) But you know, your expectations, you, you have this hope. And lastly, I hope God does. See, it's not about what God does for us, but what he does with us. That's the importance. It's not what God does for us. It's what God does with us. And as God continues to put hope in our lives, what's the difference between the world's definition and the Bible's definition? Well, it's faith. Faith, we are all putting faith in something. By the way, I want to tell you, each one of you here today have faith. When you came in here and you sat on that chair, you had faith in that chair. So y'all have faith. You just may not be exercising it like God wants you to. 
You have faith. We all have faith. God put in us faith. Some people put it in people. Some people put it in things. Some people put it in creation. God says, put it in me. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Confidence, the structure, the foundation, that which is firm. He says, faith is confidence in what you hope for. And also the assurance, the, the proof, the conviction about what we look at here. Do not see. The Bible says, what hope is if you see it? Now, what does that mean, Gary? What it means is this. We have to look beyond what we see. Human logic, you know, human logic works in great ways. God is saying human logic works on what you see and what you've experienced. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, When John, Pastor John, when he decided he was going to come to Surprise and start a church, he had many opportunities to go somewhere else. And the logic, the human logic would be, that's what I need to do because I can take care of my family. Amen, Cindy? She's not here. She's with the kids. So you can talk about her too. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be job security, man. It's a great building. I mean, it's a large church. That would be the logical thing to do. But God says you've got to look beyond what you see. And you got to do what I want you to do. I mean, go start a church. What about, what about, what about? And God says, you got to have faith, John. You got to trust me that I know what I'm doing. How about also not only human logic, but worldly wisdom? When I was getting ready to go to Liberty, and I was working, and I got a call from General Motors and says, we want to give you a job. So I went and got a job. It was like everybody was wanting to go to work at General Motors. Pension, huh? I don't even know what that is. They had pension. They had good, co- uh, good benefits, good pay. And I got to work there, and God had already convinced me that he wanted me to go to school. So I kind of told people as time went on, if you work 90 days at General Motors, you become a, pr- a member of the union. So I told people, I'm going to quit on the 89th day because I didn't want anything, any pathway back to what God didn't want me in. So I quit on the 89th day, and people said this, why are you quitting? You're working for General Motors. There's a school here. There's a Christian school here. You can go here. Now you can work full time. You can go to school, and if you need a church, you know, you can start a church, but you can work at General Motors. So the worldly wisdom goes, stay at General Motors. That don't make sense. Go to school and quit all of that? Yeah, that's what God told me to do. But you know, it didn't matter (laughs) because I knew what God wanted. And see, you have to look beyond what is obvious. You've got to throw away the worldly wisdom. You've got to do what God wants you to do. Worldly wisdom. Here's the big idea. Your faith sustains your hope. Your faith will sustain your hope. If your faith is apart from God and you're trusting something else, even yourself or something else, That's as much hope as you're going to have. But if your faith is in Christ and your faith is in God, 
that will take you beyond anything else in eternity. In all of those situations of life, faith doesn't, listen, faith doesn't control God. Faith follows God. This is, I don't, I don't like telling God what to do. I do it sometimes. I mean, when I, when I was, John, when I was pastoring and, you know, I was the lead pastor, once in a while, I tell God, God, I am done. I pray you take me out of ministry. It didn't happen often, maybe once a week. God, I don't want to be a minute. I don't want to be a preacher anymore. God, take me. I'm glad he didn't take me out. I'm glad God doesn't listen to me. Because if God would listen to me, he says, okay, Gary, out. And what happened? I'll tell you, when I quit the ministry, I'll throw this in real quick. I put the minist- quit the ministry, and when I did, I was going to throw all of my books away. Because I knew God was done with me. I really thought that I was going to die. Because if I'm not pastoring anymore, what good am I? But you know what I found out? I found out that God loved me even if I wasn't a pastor. And what I really found out is how much God loved me when I was not a pastor. Oh, I thought God loved me because I was a pastor. I thought I was even good. And I thought, man, God, you can't go without me, man. Thank you, Jesus. And then I quit. And I thought, oh, no, I'm done. And no, God says, no, I love you, Gary. My love's not conditional. I don't love you because you're a good person. I don't not love you because you're not a good person. I love you because you're my child. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you feel like. God still loves you as much as he ever has. God loves you. So I found out that he really, really loved me. See, God never puts in us a hopeless situation. We make our situation hopeless. Did you hear that? God never will put you in a hopeless situation. You make yourself, you make the situation hopeless yourself. And I do too. I do too. Faith determines your hope. God said, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never give up. I will never let you sink. He says, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you helpless. I will never leave you behind. So when you hear this verse, Romans 8, 28, it says this. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. Now, if you really believe that, say amen. Amen. Okay, you know what? Next time it happens, you better say amen. Amen. Next time things go rough, next time things are tough, next time you don't understand, next time I can't believe it, you better realize all things God works for the good. doesn't mean all things are good. It means all things work for good in our life because God knows and God understands. Let me tell you a little story. Listen, faith It's what it's all about, circumstances. You know, last week, John talked about how he had this Chevelle. Remember that? I saw that. I saw that. I saw that on the screen. Looked nice. I'll tell you what. He had a Harley Davidson, too. Now, I understand why he sold the... I can't understand why he sold the Chevelle. I mean, 
I just would have told God I could serve you much better with this. <laughs> but by the way, I really understand why he sold the Harley. I would too. <laughs> oh, whoa. Huh? Hey, huh? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Yamaha guy. Okay? So he sold those things. Now, John, I'm not telling you, buddy. I was tw 24. Geraldine was 17 when we... See, Ger <laughs> you know, I, I married... Give you a little history. I married Geraldine. She, she just started uh, a senior in high school. No, before she even got in there. The summer before I married her, she was 17. And so I picked her up while she couldn't understand. She didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> so we married... And uh, went to school. So she was 19, about 1920. I was 24. Uh, so we headed off to school. Now, John, I hope you're not jealous, buddy. But uh, here's the car I had. <laughs> huh? And, and this is really what it looked like, the second shot there. This is what we looked like going, going off to college. Now, you think that's good. This, this, the next one was a muscle car. What's the next car? That was my other car. Yeah, the Pinto. That's what we drove to school. Now, what happens when circumstances begin to control our life instead of God? There's three things that we do. Look what's going on in my life. The second word we use is how can God let this happen? And then the third one is, why? Why? Off we go down to Liberty. We took 75. 75. And then we entered in Egypt. I mean, I mean Ohio. We went to Ohio. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my car, it was like it was demon-possessed. It, it just... It started breaking down, so it started overheating. So we pull off the road by Findlay, Ohio. Pull off the road next to this field, okay? So we get out. This big old field. It's like 90 degrees, middle of summer, 90 degrees. And this field had just been spread manure on it. <laughs> really, I'm not, ask Geraldine. We got out, and it's like El Stinko, baby. <laughs> See, I'm fluent. In Spanish. It was like El Stinko. And I thought, is this what Ohio smells like? I felt like I was in Hades. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he, see, he's lucky he said what he did at the beginning because I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. And I thought, God, okay, I'm headed to school. I'm going to be a preacher. And then how did this happen? Look what happened. I break down. Pull off the road, get out, and it stinks. How come, God? Why did this happen? And I couldn't figure it out. I didn't. And I still today don't know why. But the end of the story is we got to school. God worked it out. I don't know what my car smelled like, but we got to school. And you know, we were the talk of the town with those vehicles. I mean, I had offers all over the place to buy that. Not. So there we were, circumstances. How, look what God's doing. How can God let that happen? 
Why in the world is it happening? How about people? Maybe you trusted. I trusted this person, and look what happened. Maybe it's a boss, friend, spouse, pastor, church member. Maybe it's me. Y'all don't know me that well, most of you. Some of you do. I'm going to put, I'm going to do, John, I've got this idea. I'm going to get a waiver, a waiver of liability, so that when you get to know me, it says, by executing this statement of awareness and waiver of liability, I acknowledge that Gary Bovin is human and not perfect. I acknowledge he will not always fulfill my expectations. I also acknowledge when this happens, I will forgive in order to restore our friendship. That's going to be my waiver. So you want to be my best friend, you've got to sign that. Because contrary to popular belief, I'm not perfect. Yes, you know that, don't you? Yes. How about people? Sign that waiver. Listen, it said, that verse said, all things for God works together for good. Did you know that very, I think it's the third word, for we know. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed things up here, for we know. That word know, if, if you study the Greek language, it's in the perfect tense. It's not in the past tense, which means, oh, I knew. I knew everything worked together for good. I knew that because that can change. It's not in the present tense, I am knowing that all things work together for good. No, it's in the perfect tense, which means this, I know that it's true, I know that all things work together, and nothing in the future is going to change it. It says the the action is completed right now, and the action will stay the same forever. That's the perfect tense. When Jesus stood on the, so died on the cross, he said, it is finished. That was the perfect tense. Aren't you glad it was in perfect tense? Because it is done today, and it'll be forever. It'll never change. Now, what are you saying, Gary? I'm saying this. You better know today that God is good, and you better know tomorrow that God is good, and you better convince yourself that God's good all the time. Because no matter what it feels like now, you're going to have that test. And you're going to say, God, why in the world did you let this happen? Why is it all of this is falling apart? One person gets sick. The spouse gets sick. The kids get sick. Oh, God, what are you doing? And God says, shut up. I know what I'm doing. Everything's all right. I'm in control. So you better know today. And you better convince yourself in your mind that tomorrow it's going to be okay too. Because if you don't decide today and decide nothing is going to change my mind about God, you will be tempted to do so. Oh, there's so much basketball. You know, I love basketball. When I went to school, I told this a little bit, but I just, just touch it. Went to basketball, tried out, and they said no. And I just bought, bought a brand new pair of shoes. My brother sent me a brand new pair of shoes. Anyways, I was mad for three months. Don't you even... Look at your watch. So he's going like this. He goes, I saw him. And he goes, I saw him. Man, don't you even, don't you even do that. So there I am. There I am. Mad at God. I said, what? I'm coming down here to serve you. Why can't I just play basketball? Think about this. If I would have won, if I would have got on the team, maybe I would have sat the bench the whole time. But let me tell you this. With God, you never set the bench. He'll use you as much as you'll, he'll, you let him. 
as much as you let him. Oh, I've got Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because you must believe that he is, which is the old Hebrew, I am. He says, I am everything. And you must have believed he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, you can't try God out. God, I'm going to try out. I'm going to give you a month, baby. And if it works, great. I'll keep on going. You will never make it. Try that getting married. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I'll tell you that. Some of you older ones that are married, you look, I'm looking at you. Don't tell me you just got married two weeks ago either. <laughs> married for 40, 50, 60 years. You know, you know that you just don't try it. You're committed. You don't try God. You decide he's worth everything. And then you move forward, but you don't try God. People thought, Geraldine and I thought, oh, well, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. You know, with us, the privilege we had was pastoring many people. We won some. We led some. We seen lives change. We saw marriages transformed. We seen many find their service for the Lord. And for us personally... God's given us children who love and serve the Lord. God, for us, has met our needs more than we can imagine. God has given us a church and is using, that he's using in a great way. God's given us friends for a lifetime. God's given, Geraldine and I, you. You can't buy this. You can't create it without God. We didn't, listen to me, when you serve God, you don't miss anything. You don't miss anything. We've never missed anything. Romans 3, 5, 5, 3 through 5, it says, we can rejoice. It's easy to rejoice when everything's going good. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know. He says, you're going to run into trials. You're going to run into tribulation. But you better, the word no is in the perfect tense because I've already decided, I've already decided that whatever happens, I know God's good. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, something's going to fall in. God, why aren't you so good? God says, I thought you believed me. I thought you did. It goes on and it says, For we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Confident. No, I know God's going to do it. He said he would, right? My God should supply all your needs according to his riches. He may not make me wealthy, but he's going to take care of me because he loves me. Can we get that up here? Develop strength. And, and this hope will not lead to, listen, will not lead to disappointment. For we know. <laughs> you better know. You better leave here today knowing and convincing yourself that God is good. God is good. I want to give you one illustration and I'm close with a couple verses. I remember sitting in my office at Valley Community Church. You know, we had great, great people. All of them were great, great people. Around about 150 or so. But I just knew that something was stagnant. 
I really felt helpless because all of these conferences, all of these things that people try to tell you, I tried some of them, and it just never seemed to work. And, and God just, it just got in my heart, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I was really hopeless. It's sad when a preacher loses hope. It's sad when a preacher wants to give up. I think, God, how can I get out of this in an honorly manner? I was hopeless. One day I was talking to a guy, and we started talking about surprise. I thought, wow, surprise, that'd be kind of neat. But you know, God, and I felt like God wanted us to maybe start a ministry in surprise. And I said, God, we're not a big church. We don't start ministries. Well, who said you need a big church? God, we don't have a lot of people, you know. I, most of our people are new at it. God says, who do you have? I said, I got you. And all of a sudden, God says, do it. And all of a sudden, my hopelessness vanished. And let me tell you why. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All of a sudden, God said, Gary, I want you to have faith that I want you to go to surprise. I said, God, I can do that. All of a sudden, I thought, you know why my hope was alive? Because faith was involved. You can't have hope that you see. I didn't know what was going to happen in surprise. I had no clue about this guy. No clue about the gathering. I just knew God said, go. I said, I'll go. I said, what if they don't follow? Go. Geraldine's not here. So she, she said, and I said, I, if I've said this, just laugh with me anyways, because I'm old. <laughs> the day we sold the building, she says, why did we have to sell the building? I said, I don't know. I just know God wants me to go. And I just had to have faith to do it. No matter what. She wasn't disagreeing. She wasn't fighting me. She just doesn't understand. And John, people aren't going to always understand the full vision that God gives you. But you keep going. And we're trying to find a building. We're trying to find this. We don't know what God has, but we know to go. So we went. When are we get a building? I don't know. When are we get? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. See, I didn't know how to answer their question, but I knew it was God. But I didn't know how to answer their question. And now, look, what God has allowed me to be a part of. In my last leg of my life, I'm a part of something that God let me have faith. I didn't know. And you won't know when you start serving God. You won't know what to do. You won't know the details. God will just say, go. God will say, serve. God will say, give. God will say, do. And you just won't know. But you've got to be convinced that God is God and that he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And he makes no mistakes. He does nothing wrong. And when it all falls apart, you know, my brother, my, my sister-in-law texted me last night, and she says, I don't want to alarm you. My brother and I are very close. Richard, I told you about him. He says, he's in the hospital, and they're doing a cath on him. He had, he had an operation about 14 years ago, heart surgery. And now he's in. I'm thinking, wow, it can happen any time. 
glad you're in control. I am so glad you're in control. Two verses. Look at the first verse. The disciples are all in the boat. They're all sitting in the boat. One, and Jesus is sleeping. Remember that story? Jesus is sleeping. In Matthew 8, 26. And he tells them, and, and he wakes up, and he says, Hey, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And the storm is going. I mean, just blowing like crazy. And they're getting ready to sink. And then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves. And whew, Wow, that's cool. Isn't that neat? God took care of everything. The next verse, a little bit different, a little bit farther, Matthew 14. They're in a boat in the same kind of storm. Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking. The difference is Jesus wasn't in the boat. He was out of the boat. Sometimes God's going to take you out of the boat. And he's going to say, if you want to be with me, you've got to come out here in the storm. Because I'm God. Because I want to show you that I'm God. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. And he says, you of little faith. You of little faith. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like this. Peter, buddy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> High five, buddy. Knuckle butt. I don't know what they're doing today now. Head bumps. I don't know what they're doing. But you would think Jesus would go, Peter, good job, buddy. Man, look how far you went. He says, Peter, why do you have so little faith? (laughs) That's puzzling. But you know what else happened? Jesus said, why? Why? Why do you doubt? Let me ask you, why do you why don't you trust me, God says? Why won't you surrender? Why won't you obey my word? Why do you doubt? Why are you discouraged? Why are you not following me? The greatest joy in my life has always been God. I've not been perfect. If you hang around me long enough, you'll know that. But the greatest joy, I have missed nothing in this life. And I'm experiencing something even today. My prayer life has just been magnified. God is so good. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, the fear is that one day my brothers and I, one of us start dying one at a time to cross that threshold into eternity. But I don't want Jesus to be sad. And I don't want him to be displeased with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he is going to challenge you to step out in faith. He's going to tell you, go, serve, do. And you're going to say, I don't have time. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money, God. And God says, listen, I'm God. I'll take care of it. I'll work it all out. I pray today that we walk out of here with a a, a faith and a hope that is convinced now and we're not going to let anything change it. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Gary, you know what? You talked about hope in God. You talked about Jesus. Let me ask you, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where would you go? If it's not heaven or if you don't know for sure, I'd like to share with you that you can know today, right now, If you simply do this, Lord, be merciful to to me, a sinner, and save my soul. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, please mean it in your heart because the words don't save you, it's your heart. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, 
and save me today. I hope you said that. If you did, you say, Gary, you know what? I said that because I really wanted to be saved. And as a testimony to the Lord, nobody looking, you just put your hand up, put it back down and say, Gary, I said that. I made that prayer. Anybody like that? Just put your hand up, put it back down just so we can see it. Yes, anybody else? Yes, anybody else? How about a Christian? God spoke into your heart and said, Gary, you know what? Things are tough right now. Things are happening I just don't understand or they have happened in the past, maybe even in the future they're coming. Gary, just pray for me right now that God, that I would know and be convinced in my heart that God's good and it's all gonna work out. Gary, I need that prayer. You just put your hand up, put it back down. Just as a Christian, God spoke into your heart. Yes, yes, many hands. God bless you. Lord, I close this service in, in prayer. God, thank you for the power of God. Thank you that you have enabled us the opportunity to trust you with faith. God, I'm convinced, and I pray that everybody here is convinced that you're a good God and everything works together for good. And Lord, those that raise their hand for salvation, may they come and tell us and say, I trusted Christ, and we can help them grow in their life. Those that have raised their hand for special prayer, God, in their heart, just do something and let them know that it's okay. It's okay. Dismiss us, Lord, with your grace and bless this song, bless this closing song to our heart, God. And may we draw closer to you in the name of Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name.